As usual, I asked our guest Adam Hutchinson to pound the table for someone this offseason. Adam, who you pounded the table for? So I got to go with 49ers wide receiver Debo Samuel, the forgotten man Ooh. in San Francisco. Yeah. I think I think he's been pretty much left for dead. You know, we had that that nice Brandon Ayuk breakout in 2020. Um, obviously, I'm on here to talk about injuries, so I'm going to start with a guy uh, when we're talking about an injury history. Debo Samuel had that Jones fracture last year. He was a huge fade for me heading into the next season. I thought just for the type of player that he was, where he was at in his development, um, that having a Jones fracture was going to be really something uh, something that was going to be really difficult for him in the offseason. So uh, he was someone that I don't think was really ready once the season started. I mean, he, he came back at some point, but um, I don't think he was really utilized the way the 49ers wanted to use him because of that injury and because his offseason was kind of truncated. Um, people are freaking out about Debo Samuel's a dot, right? His averaged up the target. Um, and it, I think that was just a, like I said, a product of, of the injury and how, how they wanted to use him. Um, of wide receivers with 40 targets, Debo Samuel was number three in the NF in the NFL with, uh, an average a dot decrease at negative 5.3 yards. Only Curtis Samuel and Robbie Anderson were ahead of him. And I think we know why that was uh, with Teddy Bridgewater there. But I don't think you his his average depth of target can't drop any further. He had a massive decrease. I think that was related to his injury. Um, we know what the 49ers did this offseason. They drafted Trey Lance very high. I think uh, at some point we're going to see Debo Samuel kind of get back to the way he was used his rookie year, um, stretching the field a little bit and being more of that downfield threat. I love it. I love it. And it's, uh, I always like value players in the pound the table. Debo Samuel definitely cl classifies that way after a big drop in ADP from last year. Fantastic listeners, doctor's orders, go get you some Debo Samuel. And then let's get to the show. Welcome, everyone, to the most accurate podcast. I am your humble host, Brandon Niles, and my co-host today is the fabulous Jen Akins. Jen, how's it going today? It is going well, Brandon, and um, I'm excited to be here with you and Adam. Yeah, this was Jen's idea, and it's a great idea because I'm always interested in injuries and players coming off injuries. So, uh, as mentioned, we're pumped to have new, brand new, 4 for 4 injury expert Adam Hutchison on the pod today. You can find Adam on Twitter at TheRealAdam underscore H. Check out his awesome content this season at 4 for 4. His first article just dropped, which I will include a link to in the show notes. Uh, you may be familiar with his work at The Undroppables. He's a member of the uh, FSWA. Adam, thank you so much for joining us today. How you doing? We're doing great, guys. I really appreciate you and Jen having me on the show. I'm excited to talk some fantasy football. Yeah, yeah, and talk injuries today. But I want to give you a chance real quick to talk about Rondale Moore, the rookie wide receiver out of Purdue, your alma mater. Uh, he landed with the Cardinals in the second round of this draft. Uh, as an alumni, how excited are you for Moore, who's the highest drafted Boilermaker since Kawan Short went in the second round? I don't think I can really sum it up in enough words. I mean, do we want this to be a two-hour show? I mean, I could, I could talk about Rondell Moore all night, guys. We could um, go two hours on Rondell Moore. I think that's fine. Uh, no, I, I'm I'm really excited for him. Um, he's a guy, you know, I, I put my money where my mouth is in, in fantasy football. I have him about 90% of my dynasty leagues. I've been drafting him all offseason. Uh, I think the Arizona landing spot was like, the one of the ideal landing spots for him to go to somewhere where um they have an offensive mind that's creative in, in cliff kingsbury um he doesn't need to be the alpha 
right? They got DeAndre Hopkins there. He doesn't mm-hmm. need to slot in that role and be that, you know, prototypical X uh, wide receiver. I mean, I think there's a couple of things to address when we're talking about Rondell Moore. Uh, first off, he's got that label of, of injury prone. He struggled with that in college. And, and I'm here to tell you that. And uh, I, I've tried to debunk that all off season, uh, being a Purdue fan and following it. First off, the knee injury that he had um, when he was a sophomore, I thought, for sure, he tore his ACL. Like I watched it live with my wife. I turned to her and I go, "Well, there's another one for Purdue to go down. A great one to go for Purdue to go down." Because I was for sure that he tore his ACL. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually didn't, and I think that's kind of a testament to his strength a little bit. If you've been following me on Twitter, I, I basically it's a Rondell Moore fan page where I just put pictures <laughs> of his quads up there, and I, I think that's a testament to to what he's been dealing with. Um, and then the one that he he had last year. You know, COVID was was tough on a, on a lot of people. Rondell Moore originally opted out uh, of Big Ten football and then opted in very late. Um, and it's been pretty well documented that he was overtraining, try to get ready for the start of the season, and 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 tweaked his hamstring as well. So. I don't think the injury prone label is very fair for him. I think he's someone that's just been really unlucky uh, in college and been looking out for his overall health. The second thing, early breakout. I mean, this is a guy, we're not talking about just like freshman season of college where he dominated. People don't realize the his freshman season, the Big Ten formatting, they started with a Big Ten appointment uh, opponent to start the season. We weren't starting with any small schools, Akron, Western Michigan. They started with Nor- Northwestern. The second Rondell Moore walked onto campus, he was the dude. I mean, against Northwestern, he had 11 receptions for 109 yards, a touchdown, two carries, 79 yards, another touchdown, and 125 kick return yards. The guy's super dynamic. He's been ready since day one. And finally, my my main reason for him is, you know, I I talked about an offensive mind that was going to manufacture touches for him. I just have this fantasy in my head of the Arizona Cardinals goal line package instead of it being like a jumbo package. I've, I've this micro package, all right, where you got Rondell Moore in the backfield, you got Chase Edmonds and Kyler Murray. You can't see them behind the big offensive linemen. They run a jet sweep, <laughs> something they manufacture touches for Rondell Moore. I, I'm just really excited about where he landed. That's awesome. Also, uh, I was tweeting at uh, Cards Chatter, at Cards Chatter, which is Darren Urban from ESPN Covers the Cardinals. He seems to think Rondale Moore is also a favorite for both return jobs. So uh, for those who follow me in the offseason and find the, the return can't tr- uh, the returner training camp roster shuffles. Uh, Rondale Moore is going to be somebody to watch there in those types of leagues as well. Uh, let's jump right into the main segment this week. Uh, since we've got you on, Adam, we want to talk about injuries, specifically any trends you've seen. Of course, the specific players who were hurt last year, how that's affecting your approach to them heading into next season, if it's affecting it. Uh, any trend uh, that, that you've noticed of injuries over the past few years? We always hear things like, oh, there's more ACLs. Oh, there's more this. But I haven't looked at anything to actually tell me if those like little anecdotal statements are true. Have you noticed any injury trends over the past couple decades? I haven't noticed any specific trends. I I will say just like there's certain injuries that um, I definitely make a note of when they happen in season for like running backs, uh, high ankle sprain. That seems to be kind of the kiss of death for, for running backs. They average three fewer points per game. They miss on average about four games. Um, So that's something that, I definitely like factor into the rest of the season, my projections, whenever that a running back, unfortunately suffers a high ankle sprain. Um, you know, nothing new, nothing groundbreaking. You know, we want to, we typically avoid those, those players that are a little bit older in their career and they suffer, you know, a couple of soft tissue injuries. You start to noticing a pattern or, you know, the late career ACL or Achilles injury is, is something that uh, you definitely want to 
try to avoid when the, that player's a little bit older. Folks, 4 for 4 has partnered with Underdog Fantasy to give you an easy way to claim a free, no-strings-attached pro subscription to 4 for 4 for the current season, plus $25 instantly deposited to start playing. Just enter 4 for 4 in the promo code box and deposit at least $10 when you sign up at Underdog. This is a screaming great deal and a fantastic opportunity for anyone who's been on the fence about joining to sign up with no risk. Sign up at Underdog Fantasy today. I think we should maybe, that's awesome. And it's really good to hear. And I, actually, I will say that um, I found it interesting what you said about the high ankle sprain for running backs. It's something that a lot of people might not look at as far as fantasy analysis. Um, but I think that is interesting. Um, let's get to some players, shall we? Let's do, um, well, first of all, we've got, you know, two players right off the bat last year who went one and two, uh, which is Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley. They're both back. They're both healthy. How confident are we in both of them? What are you thinking? So Christian McCaffrey, I have zero worries. I mean, um, I think he was unlucky. He was he was bound to get injured at some point. He had a strain of just a, a lot of healthy seasons where he's been super durable. Um, you know, we just talked about the high ankle sprain. I was somebody when Christian McCaffrey got hurt last year, I was trying to go when he had the high ankle sprain, even though they said that he was going to miss a little bit more time. Um, average time that I talked about four games, he ended up missing six games. I thought that was probably a good thing for his overall health. I was trying to go and get Christian McCaffrey because I know that those running backs average three fewer points per game, but Christian McCaffrey's ceiling is so high, right? I mean, even mm -hmm. if he's averaging three fewer points, um, he's somebody that I want to get my hands on because he's still going to be in that RB five to eight range with, with how many points he puts up. Well, his first game back from high ankle sprain, his he averaged he scored more than he scored thirteen point three more than his season average. I mean, he totally just <laughs> blew the roof off. Um, he was totally going to break all my high ankle sprain data, and then he got he got hurt right away again uh, and, hurt, and hurt the shoulder. So I think it was a strain of bad luck for Christian McCaffrey. I have zero worries. He should be your one on one in drafts. I like it. What about Saquon? Are we are we good with him? So Saquon's a little bit trickier. Um, I am currently, spoiler, working on some stuff for uh, the 444 site looking at Saquon Barkley. I'm definitely torn. Uh, the okay. general consensus out there in the, in the medical community is, you know, fade a running back the year after an ACL tear. Um, these are guys that typically, you know, have some, some hamstring injuries or something kind of pop up the, the following season. I'm having a really hard time with it. I'm looking at some data right now, and it, and it lines up. I mean, uh, looking at running backs, they typically have fewer carries. The workload's a little bit less. That equates to fewer fantasy points. But what I'm not seeing with sake, uh, well, with running backs in general with ACL tears is I, I wanted to look at targets, right? Because that report came out from Giants camp where they basically said, yeah, we're going to ease Saquon into the, to this workload. And um, we might use him, you know, in more of a passing down role, and we're not going to give him the full, full workload. Well, we all know as fantasy gamers that for running backs, a target is far more valuable than a carry, right? So from right now, what I'm looking at, I have not seen a lot of um, decrease in targets, receptions uh, for running backs coming off the ACL tear. So Saquon is somebody that I kind of want to buy into just because you can get him late in the first round. Um, and by drafting Saquon, you're tip, you're putting your chips in that this guy's different. I think we all know that he's, he's a freak athlete. Um, you're take, you're taking a chance, but 
depending on what type of fantasy gamer you are, I'm someone that likes to, you know, go big or go home. I don't want to come in fourth place in my league. I want to either come in first place or last place. It's all, you know. Um, so I, I'm, I got a piece coming out on Saquon. I, I kind of like him this year. Okay. Well, you know, it's funny. I'm kind of torn on him and not like, and not even from an injury perspective, obviously. I just, I don't know. I've been taking a little bit of him, but I haven't been taking a lot. I think where he's going, I kind of end up, uh, especially in best ball, I kind of end up going with a wide receiver instead of him, depending on where you know he falls and where I am in the draft. Um, let's uh, let's keep with running backs, shall we? There's about I would say there's a handful of running backs that are coming off injury. We can just go through you know quickly see kind of your thoughts. We've got first we've got Joe Mixon, so he hurt his foot last year. I mean, are you, I'm personally not a Joe Mixon person anyway, injury aside. But uh, how do you feel about him? So Mixon was another one that was a little bit tough for me. Um, I don't really have a great answer for what happened in last year. Like I've seen some speculation that it was a Liz Frank, but I never saw anything definitive that he had a Liz Frank sprain. I think it's very possible what happened to him. Um, sometimes those foot bones are a little bit smaller. Uh, it's harder to identify a fracture. I I'm almost leaning towards that. It was just, a they missed a fracture. Like the, the Bengals just missed right. it. And then it's something that lingered and they took imaging again and it, and it popped up. Um, you know, I just saw on Sleeper just before we got on the show here that there was a report that Joe Mixon is going to see the most workload that he's ever seen. Um, so that, that makes me kind of excited. I don't have a lot of fear about him. You know, I, uh, I definitely ate some crow last year because when Mixon originally got hurt, I, we talked about durable running backs with Christian McCaffrey, like Joe Mixon's been phenomenal in terms of durability. Uh, a couple years ago, he had a meniscus tear and he only missed like two games. Like he got surgery and he was back. Um, so I, I think Mixon in the second round, I'm, I'm okay with that. I like him. Okay. I'm moving on to Eckler. So he had a grade, a grade two hamstring strain, which cost him six games. I mean, hamstrings are tricky, right? I mean, that's not, you know, that's a, just a fan, a fan opinion, but um, that's, you know, what we see. Are you concerned about Eckler this year? I wouldn't con- say concerned. He's definitely, I, I'm definitely cautious about him. And the main reason is, I mean, this was the thing with, with Eckler is we've never kind of seen him be the workhorse running back. And the second that he is, he has a pretty significant hamstring strain. He, he was honestly, uh, pretty lucky that it was only a grade two hamstring strain the way it looked and the way he described it afterwards I, I thought for sure he had a grade three hamstring strain which would have required surgery um so I will say it is a positive that he came back in 2020 um but he's somebody you know I'm a little bit nervous about if he gets another injury you know we get to week five week six um and he has another one of these things pop up it, to me it's almost going to tip the hat that he's not somebody that can handle that that massive workload yeah, and he's at like a, I guess like an early second round ADP right now, depending on site. But do you think the team might reduce his his workload further based on last season? I mean, obviously we're just speculating here, but uh, you know they definitely have other running backs that they probably w- would use in a first and second down role. Could we see Eckler be a little bit more specialized to make him more effective? I would make the argument that they definitely should. And I think that would maybe be better for, for fantasy football, right? I mean, Kamara's not like a super big workload guy, but he's very efficient. I think Austin Eckler has proven that he's he's very efficient. So, I mean, getting guys like Joshua Kelly, you know, Larry Roundtree involved, I think you if, you know, Austin Eckler's workload 
decreases to start the season and you see people panic, that might be a good opportunity to go in and buy in on this guy because I think it might actually help with his overall durability because, like I said, he's a super efficient running back that I'm, I have questions about him being able to handle that workload. Sounds good. What are we thinking about Zeke? Zeke, I you know, I've seen a ton of stuff on Zeke. Like he's he's washed and he he's old. I'm when I when we looked at Zeke last year, like he was on a tear. He was on pace to, you know, have 1700, 1800 total yards before Dak got hurt. And that offensive line in Dallas, I don't think is the same offensive line that we're we're used to about 3 or 4 years ago. Is Zeke an older running back? Absolutely, but I think he's he's a good value. Like I'm not I'm not going to be somebody that's going to fade Zeke now because I'm going to slap an injury prone label on him and be like, this guy can't hold up. I, I think Dak coming back uh, is going to help a lot. And he's somebody that, you know, in that offense, the way that they're going to score in the NFC East, like you should go into every week thinking Zeke, Zeke's going to score me a touchdown because they're going to have a lot of scoring opportunities. It's funny because it seems like Tony Pollard, like the Tony Pollard hype is ridiculous all of a sudden. (laughs) And it's like, wait a minute, Zeke is still, you know, it's funny. All of a sudden people think that he's going to like somehow take his job and uh, Zeke, you know, Zeke's going to be on the bench all of a sudden. I just don't see that happening. And Tony Pollard could be involved and he could have, Mm -hmm. you know, he could definitely hurt Zeke's like targets and and things like that. But I just think in this offense, like. Gosh, they have so many weapons. A healthy Dak Prescott for 2021. Mm-hmm. I mean, this team is they're they're going to be you know the Kansas City Chiefs light. I mean, the way this offense mm-hmm. can score. Yeah, it's five touchdowns first five games. Like like Zeke, I I don't think he's he's 26. I don't think he's that done. Like he still looks good to me. He's just kind of nicked <laughs> up and terrible offense all year. I'm with you guys. Uh, we got a couple more here for running backs before we switch over to wide receivers. We've got DeAndre Swift who, you know, now is kind of in, in an offense where there isn't a lot going on there. Um, so, but he missed three games last year. He he had some concussion issues. Do we feel confident that he's going to be the guy? He's another one, yeah. I mean, I, I think so. How how valuable being the guy in, in Detroit is, is I think up for debate. <laughs> I mean, it, the concussion <laughs> thing is, is serious. Like, it, it's tough. And anytime you hear somebody's having some complications for that, I mean, um, it's kind of cliche in terms of all injuries, but specifically with concussions, you know, not all concussions are created equal. Like there are symptoms that can linger. Um, there's symptoms that can, you know, pop up after you think you, you've cleared the concussion protocol. Um, there's a lot that can go on. I haven't seen any, I, I saw the report earlier in the season where they were talking about him having some issues. I haven't seen anything this off season that makes me believe that these concussions are going to be an issue for DeAndre Swift moving forward. Now, if he's somebody that starts to stockpile a couple of concussions, you know, if he gets two or three more, um, that's where I would be getting a little bit more nervous and I'd be putting more of a red flag on DeAndre Swift. But right now, I don't think there's any reason to really worry about the concussions. That's good to hear. As a UGA alum, I'm a big Swift fan. And as someone that is actually, you know, I have, I have chronic migraines. So whenever there's any concussion issues and people start talking about migraines, and then people start to laugh at it and think, oh, it's just a headache. You know, why isn't he out there? I get all twitchy because I totally understand yeah, um, it's, that. It's, it's tough. And I mean, migraines, I mean, I don't suffer for them, but, you know, in dealing with my clientele when I'm working as a physical therapist, like I can definitely sympathize with those people because when you get a migraine, you don't feel you you don't feel like doing anything. You physically can't like it, yeah. it, it's really hard. So um, it's definitely something to monitor. But. Right, right now, I, I don't think there's any reason to be fading him because of the concussion history. Right on. Okay, we got one more, one more running back who's one of my favorites, 
fantasy people is Chris Carson. I love him. A lot of people do not. And I, I love the fact that people don't because I just continue to scoop him up year after year. Um, he missed four games last year with a pedal foot sprain. I saw a picture of him totally jacked up yesterday or the day before, <laughs> which made me super excited because I loved him before. But uh, are we concerned about it? I mean, the dude, yeah. I mean, he always he's always hurt, but he never really, you know, he's, he's always out there. So I personally am not worried about him, but I'm also not an injury expert. Uh, I, th- I think we just got to accept that this is who Chris Carson is. Like you said, he's that dude. He he pl- he gives it all. He plays with 100%. He puts his body on the line. Um, he kind of runs with a reckless abandon, but that that's what we love about Chris Carson. I think that's what Pete Carroll loves about Chris Carson. Um, so he's had some different type of injuries. I don't think there's anything that really necessarily correlates one injury to another. This is just a guy that's a, that's a physical runner. If you draft Chris Carson, I think you almost have to just bake into his projections that he's going to miss three games. Like that's just who, who he is. Get, you know, <laughs> be active on the waiver wire, maybe draft another running back early, but yeah, I agree with you, Jen. Getting Chris Carson as like your RB two this year in redraft, mm-hmm. I am I'm all about that. I'm super pumped about that. Nice. See, I like this. I'm a big Carson guy too. We've considered changing the name of this podcast to <laughs> the Chris Carson Hour with Brandon and Jen. So, uh, so we'll we'll consi- continue to think about that. We'll bring you on every time we want to talk about Chris For Carson, sure. Adam. That's how we'll do. It. Folks, early bird pricing for 2021 4 for 4 memberships are available. Don't hesitate to sign up early and capitalize on the ever-growing off-season content we bring you day in and day out. Check out Classic, Pro, and DFS embedding memberships up to 25% off right now. See 4for4.com slash plans for details. Let's shift to wide receivers a little bit. Uh, Julio Jones is kind of the the name I want to talk about first. He's 32. A lot of people wondered if he's done. Uh, that could because you know we have short memories in in fantasy football. Uh, hamstring injuries held him to only nine games last year. Now he goes to Tennessee. Obviously, we've dissected his fit there. But uh, as a late career player with a hamstring injury at the receiver position, how concerning is that for you uh, when he missed so much time last season? Um, I think it's definitely something that you, you need to factor in when you're, when you're drafting Julio Jones. And this is one of those guys and one of those older wide receivers we talked about with or a little bit earlier with some of those soft tissue issues. Um, that's fun to say, um, where <laughs> like guys like T Y Hilton, I would also put in this category where they kind of have these things that continuously pop up. Um, Julio Jones did miss a lot of time with the hamstring injury. I think he he's a risky he's a risky draft, but obviously there's a lot of intrigue in in Tennessee, and he he could put it together. You also have to kind of wonder with with some of these guys, and we might even talk about another one where obviously Julio didn't want to be in Atlanta. You wonder with the the amount of time that he missed last year, what the motivation was to get back on the field, right? I mean, oh, interesting. It's speculation. I don't have any, you know, insider knowledge, but I, I have to wonder about that. He was very adamant about getting out uh, of Atlanta. You wonder if he was kind of saving himself to to get on a new team. But um, I wouldn't be surprised. Let's put it this way: that if he had another hamstring issue and it caused him to miss three to four games. Interesting. Interesting. I I wondered that about McCaffrey too. Like, would McCaffrey have kind of come back late if the Panthers were in the playoff race? Like, I wonder about that too. Um, but yeah, Julio definitely with a little bit more of a personal motivation there. Uh, the other guy that you're alluding to, let's uh, skip ahead and go to him. Kenny Galladay uh, joins the Giants. Had a hip injury, a hamstring early on. 
Uh, kind of did the Willy Wonty thing all year. People weren't sure how long he'd be out. Ended up missing pretty much most of the season. Uh, how concerned are you about the injuries that he dealt with last year in Detroit and, and then um, coming over to the Giants? Uh, zero. Because, yeah. I mean, if we're, we're all on social media. We all saw that. Kenny Galladay Instagram post. He he looked fine. I I went back. <laughs> I I tried to you know watching NFL film during the season to try to figure out just to gain an edge. Like I can't diagnose an injury, but I like to figure out like what did that injury look like or what happened here. You know, it gives me a a little bit of a jump start on the waiver wire. I could not figure out for the life of me what was wrong with Kenny Galladay. I have no good answer. <laughs> so we we talk about you know motivation and things like that. Like injury wise, I don't think we can be worried about Kenny Galladay because I can't find anything that would give us a reason to be. Interesting. It's, I, I had a follow-up to just uh, this is kind of uh, back to running backs a little bit, but Saquon Barkley there, we talk about him as a target hog, and he definitely has been. Do you think the addition of Galladay impacts that at all? I know it's a very different type of target, but I'm just just curious if that uh, is baked into your Barkley opinion. Um, I think it I think it can. My my thing for, for Saquon Barkley and – and I, I wanted to say, like, and I didn't want to make this like a Saquon Barkley show, but <laughs> I, I think where where I'm at is I have a really hard time letting a player of that caliber slip to the 110, 111, 112, and then have a league mate, like, wrap around and get someone good in the second round, too. And now, you, you know, and, like, for so this is something I've been contemplating, too, with, like, Scott Fishbowl. Like, I have the 104, and I – I hate to say it, like I'm almost embarrassed to say it. I hope no one, none of my fellow medical people like are listening to this, but I kind of want to draft Saquon Barkley at the 104 just because I don't want someone in the Scott Fishbowl to get him at like the 112 and then get a really <laughs> good player at 201 and then it's a third round reversal, right? And then they get the 301 and it's like, and we look at the end of the year and we're like, gosh, that guy's really stacked. He got Saquon Barkley and two really good players. And it's like, well, yeah. So I almost feel like just if you're going to draft Saquon, you're betting on him being a freak you're betting on him being back and ready and you're also kind of looking at past things and saying i know overall as a general consensus in history these guys maybe their workload has been decreased a little bit but the targets have kind of stayed there i know what saquon barkley can do when he gets the ball in his hands i know receptions are more valuable in ppr leagues like i'm just going to take a chance on them I love it. I like that. I think that's spicy. Uh, Jen, I don't think I've actually heard your thoughts on Kenny Galladay this offseason. Are you interested in Galladay? Not really, but I'm also not interested in Daniel Jones. So yeah. I can't, I just can't really invest in that. That offense is just, other than Barkley, I just, there's too much going on there. And, and as much as, you know, Galladay is coming from where he was, you know, the wide receiver one in Detroit and, but, you know, you've got a lot of other weapons there, and you've got a guy that I just don't really trust throwing the ball. So um, I think if his ADP dropped a little bit, I may be interested in him. But I honestly don't think I've taken him once this season. It just hasn't been in the right you know fit. There's just always someone I like better there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have so many dynasty shares of him that I'm just rooting for him. Like, I, I picked him up early. He's been one of my guys. So, uh, Barkley, week two torn ACL. Another receiver uh, to talk about had another week two torn ACL, Cortland Sutton. Uh, what do you think about Cortland Sutton? It's a different position. Uh, Adam, are you worried about Sutton coming back from that injury? I'm less worried about run, uh, wide receivers than I am running backs. So the outcomes, the day that we looked at for our wide receivers have been much better, especially lately. You think about like Cooper Cup two years ago, 
um, just came out and was on a tear from week one on. Um, so thus far, I haven't seen anything that makes me not be optimistic about him being uh, ready for 2021. And the fact that he plays a different position, I think is, is a better reason. And also he's, he's a lot cheaper in drafts, right? I mean, he's, yeah. he's going a lot later than you don't have to invest a first round pick in him. Like you would a Saquon Barkley or so. Yeah. I think he's definitely worth the shot. I mean, the things that Cortland Sutton has done in the face of core, uh, poor QB play, um, I've seen a lot of stuff over the year and he, he's just been wildly efficient. So um, I think you can you can draft him with some optimism based on what we've seen. Yeah, he was like a fourth rounder last year, and now I'm seeing him sixth, seventh round pretty regularly. Is that where you're seeing him go, Jen? Yeah, and I've I've been taking him when when the opportunity presents itself. Well, like Adam said, the you know the quarterback it's the quarterback situation in Denver is not ideal, but he's made it work, and um, there is you know. The, the small, slim sliver of, of Aaron Rodgers coming to Denver that would, I mean, obviously make his value beyond insane. But even if it ends up being Teddy or Locke or whatever ends up being the case, I think Sutton's going to be fine, especially, you know, with his ADP where it is. Yeah, 30th wide receiver off the board is, uh, it just seems low, seems low. Let me ask you guys this. Who would you rather have the quarterback be in Denver? Because I've struggled with this. Let's say in, in terms of Cortland Sutton. Like if Cortland Sutton's your wide receiver, who do you want under center in Denver? I want Teddy just because he he put up 2,000-yard receivers last year. So outside receivers, um, guys that can get deep, guys that don't have to get deep. I uh, Not many touchdowns, which is always a concern. But I, I that's what I would want. I would want Teddy B uh, just based on what he did for Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore last year. Yeah, I kind of agree. It's hard for me. I mean, Adam, you probably don't know. I live like two miles from the stadium. So I'm like, for me, it's it's, it's kind of a personal thing. Um, I wish it was somebody else other than the two. Mm-hmm. Um, having to live here and having to suffer through the Trevor Simeon and the Joe Flacco <laughs> and the Brock Osweiler. and the It's been pretty ugly for a while here. So um, Locke was supposed to be the savior. And, um, you know, he, he listen, he's shown some some talent i mean he's had you know he had a couple good comebacks he's had some good weeks but i think as far as consistency fantasy wise i think teddy is the better option um for what brandon said yeah so let's uh let's go to another guy whose adp has dropped from a year ago michael thomas uh you know was the first or second receiver off the board last year current underdog fantasy adp he's going like early third round and he's the ninth receiver off the board limited to seven games last year mostly high ankle sprain uh, but there were other surgeries for him this offseason, like a torn deltoid, other injured ligaments in his high ankle that Sports Illustrated reported early on. Uh, what do you think of Michael Thomas this year? I know there's a lot baked into what we think <laughs> of him this year, um, including the quarterback situation. But from an injury perspective, how concerned are you about him coming back? So, I mean, the the time that he missed because of that high ankle sprain and then him getting surgery, I, I saw that report too. It, it made sense. I mean, it, mm-hmm. w- we talked about a little bit earlier, like with concussions, not all concussions being equal, not all injuries are created equal. Uh, there's different grades and severities to high ankle sprains. It sounds like Michael Thomas probably had the worst form of it. I mean, it, that it required some type of surgery. Um, mm-hmm. The deltoid ligament in the ankle provides a lot of that uh, support on, on the outside of the ankle. So it, it makes sense. It makes sense why he missed so much time. I don't think he's got. He's had a full season, uh, off season to recover from from that surgery. I, I think the general overall theme that you'll see with me is like when these guys are coming off of injuries, unless there's they have you know some type of setback, which we haven't gotten any reports early on of, of for a lot of guys like that, or they have some type of injury that just historically 
people really struggle with. Um, I'm going to be optimistic about these guys because mm-hmm. I think you can get a lot of good value. Like for, for when we talk about injuries in fantasy football, it's good to know some guys to avoid and when to move off guys and make contingency plans. But also being able to buy that injury dip, I think, is where you get a lot of value and those guys coming in the next year. So I try to keep an open mind about these guys. And, and Michael Thomas is another one of those guys like – Things added up. It made sense. We've, he missed a lot of time with the high ankle sprain. Okay, well, he had to have surgery. Okay, well, that makes sense why it took him so long, and probably he wasn't you know, super productive the rest of the 2020. 2021 could be a good a chance for him to bounce back. Guys, I'll buy him third round all day. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like it. Yeah, I like him too. I've been buying him as well this year. Um, you know, as, as you said, Brandon, leading in the quarterback situation is a little bit iffy. But if we end up with, you know, Jameis from two years ago, then Thomas will be fantastic. Are we all? Well, let's go to quarterbacks, shall we? Let's do it. Um, all right. We've got a, just we just got a couple quarterbacks. Obviously, the big one that people, you know, Joe Burrow, right? He completely destroyed his knee last year. Um, he is back. Uh, it's funny people are, are you know tripping over themselves to buy his weapons but somehow he's his ADP is not as high so what's um are we concerned that that his knee will be an issue I think we talked about you know ACLs f- affecting different positional players um for Joe Burrow it makes me a little bit nervous just because I think when he was being drafted people liked him obviously he had a great year at LSU, and he, th- he threw for a bunch of year, uh, yards. But people were like, you know, he's got some sneaky athleticism. He's able to extend some plays. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's there this year. Um, mostly because based on the injury that he had, like. I would expect him to wear like a knee brace that would make carry on Johnson jealous. Like we've seen those pictures of like carry on Johnson with that huge <laughs> knee brace on there. Like I think Joe Burrow is going to have some, some clunky hardware on that knee to protect it. Um, so that makes me nervous in the offensive line again, not being great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was that whole debate this off season, should they go Penny Sowell or, or Jamar chase? And they elected to go with Jamar chase. So I think 2021 could be maybe a little bit of a down year for Joe Burrow, but like you said, like if you're going to be believe, if you're believing in T. Higgins and, and Jamar Chase, then to some effect, you should be optimistic about Joe Burrow. Oh no, totally. It's funny for for us old folks when you talk about knee brace. Like in my mind, I think about Dan Marino at the end when he had that like enormous <laughs> brace that he could barely like move at all. Not that he moved really a lot to begin with, but <laughs> at the end of his career, he had that massive, huge brace on. Um, speaking of Dan Marino, actually, that's a nice little segue. Um, we that. can go into, into nice, Tua. Jen. Yeah. Of course I mentioned it, which ruins the whole thing, but, um, speaking of, uh, Miami, we can go into Tua. So he's got some, obviously some college injury history. Are we concerned about that? He seemed to be okay at the end of last season. Yeah, he's somebody um, I haven't been able to look at a ton, and I'm, I'm excited to this offseason. He's on he's on my short list. With the injury that he had, it, it was such a, a rare injury. It's such a tricky injury to kind of see how he would bounce back from that. Um, with a posterior, which is like backwards hip dislocation, you do not see a lot of those because the pelvis has some, some bony reinforcement. So the fact that he was able to dislocate his hip back through that um, tells you the amount of impact that he suffered. When I was looking at him pre-draft, I, I like as best as I can to kind of study guys' body mechanics and, and how they're moving. I was encouraged how he was handling that. Now, throwing passes and shorts is a lot different than game action. So I'm going to get back into Tua's 2020 film and kind of see if there was a progression in terms of how he was moving in the pocket, extending plays, planting on that leg. 
I think just based on his pure numbers that he was having last year and some of the weapons that people brought in, I think there's reason to be um, optimistic about Tua. But uh, I'll have to we'll, we'll put a pin in that one and kind of see how he was moving um, in last year in the pocket and things like that. That sounds good to me. The, la- the last QB we have here is uh, is is Big Ben here and, and his mangled arm. I mean, obviously, he's not a huge fantasy target for most people, but um, his weapons are, and uh, Ben is still playing. I mean, how, how do we feel about him this season? So I think there's reason to be worried, and if we're, if we're being worried about Big Ben, then um, that probably hurts, you know, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster, some of those wide receivers that people are talking about. So if we're, we're talking That's about the thing, yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, because Mason Rudolph, Dwayne Haskins, we've seen their body of work <laughs> for sure, for sure, yeah. So when we're talking about Big Ben here, we're not so much worried about his fantasy impact, but the impact that he's going to have on those guys that he's throwing to. Ben Roethlisberger and Cam Newton are somebody that I've been particularly interested in just because studying some research and looking at, you know, shoulder rotation strength uh, as a person ages or as the season goes on and as they experience injuries, how does that, how does that affect their, their outcome? And um, a really cool thing that I looked at was looking at just like, um, handball athletes. So it's a different sport, but it's a lot of overhead throwing and watching their um, rotator cuff strength progress as the, the season goes on. And it definitely deteriorates. So if you tack that on to somebody that's suffered a shoulder injury, then you could see where there'd be increased le- weakness in that shoulder that's affecting the accuracy or their ability to stretch the field, the ball down the field, or addition, uh, increased weakness increase the risk of of having another injury and we know that big ben has struggled with arm and elbow issues so the pittsburgh steelers are going to be interesting this year pretty much all rides on big ben and if you're betting on big ben then you're kind of betting against general medical advice here in terms of like how his shoulder and elbow um, have sustained injuries and i think that that elbow injury that he had that was kind of rare that we see in, in more in baseball pitchers. I think that's directly related to some of those shoulder issues that he's had um, and having to compensate for the lack of that shoulder strength. So I, I like Najee Harris, but even every time I think about drafting him, I think about how bad that offense could be if Big Ben went down. And I, I think he's somebody that uh, I am concerned about. Yeah, we saw two years ago, everyone in Pittsburgh stunk when Ben was out. <laughs> so it's so it's concerning for sure. It's definitely somebody that I'm interested in watching as well. I'll be eager to hear your takes in more detail on Cam Newton once you kind of uh, dig into that, just based on the, for the same reason, like I'm not super interested in drafting uh, Cam Newton, but I am super interested in whether or not anyone in New England is worth drafting. So uh, but I want to shift to tight ends. Speaking of New England, since they they drafted, since they now have 400 tight ends, uh, <laughs> but let's touch on one of the biggest names at tight end. Uh, George Kittle broke his foot, then had an MCL sprain. Basically, uh, kind of a lost season for him. You know, the games he played, he was great, but uh, was just missed most of the season. Uh, what do you think about George Kittle coming back? We talked about Debo Samuel in that offense, Trey Lance, uh, George Kittle coming back. Obviously, Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo are hoping that he uh, comes back healthy what are your thoughts so i think at like this point we gotta basically call george kittle the tight end version of chris carson just in terms of like how he plays and and (laughs) how physically is i mean they he's not only a great fantasy option and a great receiving option but san francisco loves him because he's a physical blocker and they use him as a blocker a lot they like to run the ball he's somebody that 
he he makes me a little bit nervous because of all that and because of the workload that they put on his plate. But also, I, I think he was a little bit unlucky. I mean, that MCL sprain, uh, if you guys remember, that it's kind of hard to point the finger, but that was Jimmy Garoppolo's fault. Like, that was a terrible throw. <laughs> you just did. Yeah. I mean, that was that was bad. Um, so what, what I just heard Jed was that Adam said, Jimmy Garoppolo took a bat to George Kittle's MCL. (laughs) That's what I heard. That's what I heard. He Tanya Harding. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, I guess I did. I'm sorry, Jimmy. If if Jimmy's a big fan of the show, I apologize. (laughs) Avid Uh, listener. He listens every week. Uh, but I, I think that, you know, we're excited about some of these young players. I think that could be a reason to want to get Trey Lance we see Trey Lance out there earlier just because and and I think Jimmy Garoppolo has been a pretty good NFL quarterback and a a good fantasy quarterback but um stuff like that where you're getting George Kittle killed out there I mean that's just not gonna fly so I think he could benefit from some better QB play at least some some more accurate QB play so we take all that into consideration I mean I, I I think I'm willing to go back to him one more time and see what happens in 2021 Sure. Uh, the only other tight end that I have on my list is, is Zach Ertz because he, he didn't look right last year. He missed some time due to an ankle injury. Uh, obviously, he might be on the move, which is probably a, a whole other conversation if he does end up somewhere else. But purely from a health standpoint, you know, he, him not looking like himself last year. Do you think we're are you concerned about him being on like a downward uh, spiral health wise and, and aging out of that elite status that he once held? I don't think necessarily health wise based on the injury, but I think what you kind of said, Sal, at the end there of like him kind of just taking a downward turn in in terms of production and having some of those injuries um, where maybe he was a little bit younger and um, in in his career where he could bounce back quicker or have it not as affect him as much. um, It's something in tight end position, I, I think is, one of the toughest positions just physically uh, in the NFL because of what you're required to do. Um, so it makes sense that stuff like that is starting to kind of pile up and, and, and affect his production overall. I feel like I've made it. Like the Zach Ertz commentary was fantastic, but I feel like I've made it in this industry because you called me Sal. And <laughs> and I just I just want to say that I if I, I aspire to be like uh, Sal Stefanelli. So thank you, Adam. I appreciate that. <laughs> I got I got I got too much four for four on my brain because he was just he was just DMing me about pushing that Dak Prescott article, and then I'm like I'm still I'm still learning everyone's names. I'm I'm new. No. I'm I'm, learn, I'm learning. No, it's great. And Sal is fantastic. Plus Sal is probably also recording and posting today. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's absolutely fantastic. Um, that's all I've got on injuries. This I thought this was a great episode. Uh, this is exactly the kind of thing that I tune into and listen to because I don't know anything about it. So uh, anyone I'm missing or anything I'm missing about uh, the the players going into this season coming off injuries, um, Adam or did I did I kind of get everybody? I think uh, I think we nailed it. I mean, some like I said, some of the other guys that I've been watching, you know, T. Y. Hilton. Um, just because he's kind of had the similar trajectory to, to Julio Jones. But I, I think that was uh, the other big one, um, Antonio Gibson with the toe. Mm. It, oh, the, toe yeah. the toe lingering. Is it a thing? Is it not a thing? Should he have gotten surgery? Should he have not gotten surgery? I want to see more reports on that. If, it, if it's still like a hot-button topic in August, I would be more concerned. But 
I read that that post about Antonio Gibson, and that it just felt like we were kind of fishing for something to talk about when football's a little bit slow. Um, <laughs> that never happens. What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. <laughs> I do have a question on uh, somebody that we did not cover that just popped in my brain because I remember reading something about him. So AJ Brown had a couple surgeries, right, on both knees, one knee. Correct, but uh, he had both, I think. Are we? I mean, I, I assume we're good with him. I mean, he's a second round. Yeah. He's a second round ADP right now, and people seem super excited about him. I, you know, I, I've been drafting him, but I did see recently that he did have both knees, and I was like, huh, is that something I should care about, or it doesn't seem like anyone else's? So I guess we're good. I yeah, I probably the wrong person to ask because I have a crush on AJ Brown. Like I, I love, <laughs> yeah, I love AJ Brown. Um, and I, we talk about like physical specimens again i'm coming back to saquon i I, we're gonna you know we didn't want to make this a saquon show but like people like aj brown i think that's a testament to how physically gifted he is that he had that and he still balled out like he was still right awesome yeah no i know yeah so it's kind of scary to think about him getting healthy what he could do um for for the long term yeah maybe a little bit like you know, does he play until he's 34? I think when you have those meniscus type injuries in, in the knee, it can hurt the longevity of your career. But for 2021, no, I'm not worried. Cool. I like to hear it because I have a lot of him already. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much, Adam. Thank you for joining the Saquon Barkley and Chris Carson hour with Brandon and Jen. <laughs> it's fantastic. Uh, everyone be sure to follow Adam on Twitter at the real Adam underscore H. Look out for his awesome stuff that's coming at four for four. Once again, I'm going to share uh, his debut article on the, the show sheet uh, in the show notes this week. Thank you so much again for joining us. Anything else you want to plug before we go? Nope. Just uh, make sure you guys check out that, that Dak Prescott profile. I'm um, excited to be working with you guys. Thank you, Brandon and Jen, for having me on the show. Uh, it was, it's been a lot of fun. Awesome. Awesome. Jen, always great chatting with you. Any final thoughts? Uh, no, I got nothing today. I, I'm about to, I have to, I have to jump on another pod as soon as this is done. So I'm kind of, uh, my brain is is fried already. Not sure how I'm going to handle that, but Hev- um, heavily no. in demand. Jen always. Oh is. Jen no, is no, no! I ju- no, I just made the mistake of double booking. <laughs> it's it's not like it's like this every day, but no. Um, yeah, you know, I've got I've got a couple profiles coming out of four for four. You know, the usual. My stuff is all over the place on on four for four, so you guys can find me there. Awesome, awesome. And I'm going to start my uh, in-depth return specialist following. So uh, follow hashtag return to rotations on Twitter and you can see any updates that I make going up into the season. Uh, don't, for- don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at 2GuysBrandon and at the Monday Mommy. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good day.